good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. It's great to see you. My name is Steve, and I'm one of the elders here. And whether you're here um, on face-to-face with us or whether you're online, it's great to have you. And we've come to celebrate the light of the world. So I'd ask you to stand and let's continue our worship.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you that throughout our lives, those times where we know that we're in a battle, that we know that your son is there, the son who came to redeem us is there, and he is mighty to save no matter what the situation. In his holy name we pray.
Amen. That's why we are here, because not only is Jesus mighty to save, he has conquered the grave and conquered everything else that burdens us. Welcome if you're here in person or joining us online from anywhere. So glad that you're here to spend time with Jesus. My name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at St. John. And if you are with us and you're thinking, you know what, I might be moved today that I want to connect not only with Jesus, but I want to connect at church at St. John specifically. Very easy way to do that. Simply text the word connect to 833-440-0137. And once you do that, then it will generate communication between you and us. Especially we'll be able to answer any questions you might have. If you do that, you can pick up a gift here, a bag of all sorts of goodies, a way of us saying thanks. We're so glad to connect with you. If you send your uh, online, if you want to send your address, we'll mail that to you. But also, on your behalf, we're going to give $10 to the Mansfield Mission Center. Uh, They have just done some great things, especially during this Christmas and post-Christmas season for a lot of people in need in in this area. We're so glad that you're connecting with us, possibly for the first time today. If you're like me, you uh, look at January and you're like, you know, I want to do some things a little different than I did last year or the last couple years. And that might be in the area of finance. And if that's the case, we have something for you, something totally free. Doesn't that sound good? Next week, we're starting Financial Peace University. And Jeff and Kelly Titsworth, one of our members, a married couple, they are going to lead that class. They went through the class and were able to get their finances in fabulous, fantastic order. And you can too. So the class is eight weeks long. It's at one o'clock starting next week. And here's the cool part. If you text the word Dave to the 833 number, uh, this will be totally free to you. As a church, we find it so valuable and important that we buy um, a yearly subscription to Ramsey Plus. That's going to get you two things. What normally costs $199 for a family to go through Financial Peace University you pay nothing. Second, there's another link there that you can create an account on Ramsey Plus. And there you can find all sorts of resources, reading materials, uh, budget planners, you name it, a way for you to get your finances finally in control. But more importantly, to be able to do it in a godly way and a way to help uh, be generous to the world once you do so. There's things on there for teens, for young kids. There's Ramsey Jr., you name it. So just check it out. Text the word Dave to 833-440-0137 and you will be all set on that. I don't know about you, but as you watch uh, TV and you start to see the commercials, usually there are a lot more car commercials than I've seen over the last month. And I think the reason is, is because there's just not a lot of cars for people to buy. But what hasn't decreased, unfortunately, are car insurance commercials. Those are just nuts. They're like all over the place, you know. And until Geico came out uh, with commercials, at least about 15 years ago, these were so boring. And now it's kind of cool because car commercials will try to compete. I still can't figure out what that ostrich has to do with anything, but... I'm like, this is so dumb. Anyway, there's some of them, though, that, that I kind of like. And one of them that I like, I don't even have this company, but if it for real for me, is something called accident forgiveness. 
Now that looks all good. And I'm, you know, I'm skeptical. I'm like, yeah, look at the fine print there. You know, like, well, how much forgiveness, how often you name it. But here's the thing that you learn from the same company. They have accident forgiveness, but then they also have mayhem, right? Now, what does that tell you? What can we learn? We can learn that an insurance company says, yeah, we're going to forgive you, but just beware, you're going to mess up again. Right? Mayhem is lurking, he says, around the corner. And if you, you think in general about insurance companies, they are there because we do mess up and they're there almost like a judge, right? Yeah, you can get accident forgiveness, but only one time and then you're in trouble. In fact, you do it a couple of times, we're going to drop you. In fact, think about this. You've lived out the experience of, I'm kind of scared of insurance companies if you have a youth that drives, I tell my kids, hey, if you get in like a little fender bender, just let me know first. You know, they call, yeah, dad, I've already exchanged information. Like, oh, man, get the guy to trust you. We'll pay for it out of pocket. Don't let the insurance company know because why? The rates get jacked up and eventually they'll drop you if you have too many. So here's the deal. God, he's not an insurance company, but he also is a judge. He's a judge. But here's the good part. He is much different than those companies. You don't have to fear God. He promises, I won't drop you just because you make mistakes. You can have accident forgiveness after forgiveness after forgiveness. But there is a quote unquote catch. Uh, there's, there's a way that this works. When he paid for our sins on the cross, there's a way that we receive that. And that reception is very simple. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, Starts off like this. He says, if we claim to be without sin, right? We try to hide our failures. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What truth is he talking about? This truth. That not only are we sinners, but if we confess our sins, God is faithful. He is just, right? He does seek justice. But he will forgive our sins and purify us from righteousness. Because those sins were paid for and forgiven on the cross. So today... Let's pause and allow God, our judge, to be also God, our forgiver, our accident forgiver. Let's silently confess before God. Lord, we thank you that you think and act differently than the world does. You truly are the one that forgives over and over. So God, for my friends that have come before you and I that have come before you, Lord, and laid our sins at the foot of the cross, we thank you that Jesus paid for our sins, that Jesus takes away the chaos and the mayhem, Lord, and brings peace between us and you. And so let us hear once again that because of Jesus and the faith that we have in him that you have given us, we are assured that we are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and praise God for that. I've searched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise 
and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together.
today's scripture is from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children, and reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. In the beginning, the earth was formless and empty, a dark wasteland that was void of life. Then God stepped in and brought order to the chaos. But that isn't the end of the story. The prophet Jeremiah uses the same language of formless and empty to describe the world in his day. God has always been stepping into the mess and bringing light, order, and peace. He has done it, and he can do it for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for drawing us around your word. We pray that all distractions would leave us, Lord. Help us to sit at your feet, and Holy Spirit, help us to understand, Lord, what you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome again in person or online. We are going through the Bible in a year. We're reading through it. And the cool thing is this, is we are finishing tomorrow. We should be done with Genesis. And so what we're focusing on today, the specific chapter 50, you will be reading tomorrow. Now there's hundreds of you doing this with us and there's some who aren't. That's okay. We're going to kind of um, get you up to speed and, and go through with you kind of what we've been reading, but it's not too late to jump in. Awesome opportunity. You can go to YouVersion. Uh, app. It's a Bible app and follow the Bible plan with the Bible project. But if you want to follow along today and just follow the outline, you can simply click on St. John Mansfield events, St. John Church Mansfield events, and you should be able to find our outline here for today's message on forgiveness because forgiveness always wins. And we're going through a series, Genesis, the book of Genesis can be summed up as God bringing order out of chaos. And if you've been reading, you're going to see there's so much chaos that happens, not just at creation, but chaos throughout families. These families we're looking at, my wife and I were talking a couple days ago, she's like, they're messed up. You talk about generation after generation doing the same wrong sin. Like, oh, don't worry about her. She's my sister, not my wife. 
You know, the son ended up saying the same thing to another king. It's like, you got to be kidding me. It didn't go well for dad, did it? But if you think about it, like, these are the kind of families that we follow in the real world today. Think about our famous families, the ones that we, uh, you know, TMZ, all these things we, we you know, look and we watch, you know, and just, like there's a local family or somewhat local. There's some that live around here. Their, their name starts with a K, ends with an N and R dash in the middle. You know what I'm talking about, right? I asked my wife a couple years ago because like they came on my radar. I'm like, you know, what did they do? She's like, they're just famous for being famous. And they're not perfect in any way. Just like us though, right? Our families have a lot of baggage and mess up and so do God's families in the Bible. In fact, the beauty of this is that God actually takes a family that has all sorts of chaos and like you couldn't even write it this crazy. And he does something beautiful through this family called the descendants of Abraham, starting in Genesis 12. And today we're gonna culminate with a guy named Joseph. And this guy is pretty important because there's over a dozen chapters that involve the story of his life. And there's one thing that, that really kind of flows from the last week when we talked about Jacob and Esau, these two brothers, to one of Jacob's kiddos named Joseph today. And one of the threads there is the word grudge. And I want to kind of refresh you if you were with us last week. If not, I want to kind of give this new to you. But here's what we want to ask. What's more natural for you? To hold a grudge or to forgive? Now, if you're honest, it's pretty easy, you think, to hold a grudge. We come by it naturally. When you're little and someone takes your toy, you want to get back with them. You want to do your get back at them. You want to do something to them. And if someone takes your girlfriend, you want to do something to them, right? That's grudge. In our broken, fallen world, grudges come naturally. It is not the natural thing to forgive somebody. That has to come from God. And so today what we're going we're to talk about is, is how can we forgive from a power that is external from ourselves? How can God actually make something that, that is unnatural for us? something that maybe we hope would be more natural. And if you don't think this grudge is a mess, here's something really interesting. The word grudge in the Hebrew, that's the Old Testament that's written in Hebrew. If you phonetically translate it, let me tell you what it is. The word grudge is sounding like this in English. Satam. Let me spell that for you if you didn't get it. S-A-T-A-M. One letter away from Satan. Satam is how you would pronounce grudge in the Hebrew. Now, if that doesn't tell you that we need to stay away from this, I don't know what would, but you know the effects of grudges in your life. It's bad news. But what we asked last week, we want to bring into this week as well. What benefit do you get by holding a grudge? And we think there's all sorts. At least we lie to ourselves in that way. If I hold a grudge against this person... At least I'll be able to get him back. At least I'll be able to treat him in such a way. I'm going to justify the way I treat him. Maybe it's ugly. Maybe I speak poorly of them. And they're going to get what's coming to them. I'm going to get payback. I'm going to get revenge. That's a grudge. And we nurse it and we feed it and we build resentments. And the crazy thing, the bad thing about a grudge, the lie that it holds, is that it is hurting us much worse than it hurts the person we have a grudge against. In fact, most of the time, they have no idea. 
They're going around, going with their little merry life, and you're sitting here angry inside. You're stewing over it. And it might have been years ago. I kid you not, man. I was thinking today on the way here, what grudges? I still have a grudge from 12 years ago against Verizon Fios. I moved to a neighborhood where they only have AT&T fiber. They didn't have files. And they said, well, you're going to get a cancellation fee. I said, you can't even service me here. $400 cancellation fee. I wonder if I can say that. This is being recorded. Anyway. (laughs) Verizon, there you go. Yeah, we hold grudges. And that's something little and simple and goofy, right? But think of how many we have towards family members and people and, and those that God actually loves. Right? Because every person you look at is made in the image of God. They're a creature. They're a child of God. And yet we can hold those grudges. So why do we hold those? What do we get by it? We get deceived. We get deceived because those grudges, they're not worth it. So let's, let's learn. This, this guy that, that God devoted so much of the book of Genesis to, let's learn from this guy what we can do with these grudges and how we can get to forgiveness. So let me just share verse 15 with you and then I'll kind of give you the backstory. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Hmm. There's that word grudge again. So dad died. What if Joseph holds a grudge Why would he be holding a grudge? Do you know what happened? So you have Jacob from last week. Jacob was deceiving his brother and his brother Esau held a grudge against him. Rightly so, you'd think for a while. And then they seemed to reconcile. It looked kind of good. And then Jacob had 12 kiddos, 12 boys at least. had some girls too. But the 12 boys he had ended up becoming the 12 tribes of Israel because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Super cool stuff. If you haven't read it, check it out. And the 11th of the 12 brothers was this guy, Joseph. And Joseph came from one of, his mama was Jacob's favorite. So what happened was Joseph became Jacob's favorite. He doted on him. He even made, the Bible tells us, this coat of many colors, this garment, everything. I mean, he was flashing it nice, man. He was like Rodeo Drive kicking it. This was a very nice outfit he had. And don't you know that didn't help with the other 11 brothers, at least 10 of them? They're like, who's this guy? He's younger than us. Dad's favorite. And it gets even worse for Joseph. This is by his own doing. Now listen to this. He had a dream one night and he interpreted the dream the next morning. He said, hey guys, everybody's getting coffee and have a kosher bacon and everything. Hey guys, let me tell you something. I had this dream last night and, and I think I interpreted it. Y'all are going to bow to me someday. Let me pause right there. If you ever have a dream that your family members or your coworkers are worshiping you and bowing down, don't tell them. (laughs) Call your mom. Find somebody that you can talk to, a friend, and tell them this crazy dream and let them walk you off of, uh, of Goldilocks land. Because it's never going to help to share that with them, even though it's true and it actually was true. So for years, they're trying to figure out how can we get this guy? We got the grudge against him. And at one point in the story, we find out that they're out doing their shepherding. And all of a sudden, dad, Jacob says, hey, Joseph, go out and get your brothers to do this. And they said, hey, here comes that dreamer. Here he comes. This is our chance. Let's kill him. 
And Reuben, one of the older brothers, Reuben, the older brother, he has an idea. He's like, hey, why don't we like soft step this? And let's only throw him in a cistern. (laughs) Throw him down a well. So maybe Reuben was going to save him later. Well, Reuben was gone after they threw him down. And all of a sudden, this traveling group comes by of, of merchants. And the brothers sold Joseph. He was an early example of human trafficking. Still going on today. And he was sold to these people and then taken and sold to Pharaoh in Egypt. And he's there about 17 years going through highs and lows, all sorts of stuff. And and there's a famine that God prepared Joseph and Egypt for through Joseph. You know, God did some amazing stuff here. And all of a sudden, Jacob sends the other brothers and says, hey, go to Egypt, get some food, we need some help. When they arrive back and forth conversation, the brothers don't recognize it's Joseph, but he recognizes it's them. Don't you know he could have had a heyday? He kind of did. He messes with them. If you read, he puts some money back in their sacks. He toys with them. He actually sits them in order of age. He's like, this guy's brilliant. Not even knowing it's, it's him. But he acted differently toward them. So here's what happens. They see that their dad died and they are terrified. What is Joseph going to do with this now? Because they know that naturally grudges, in a natural way, grudges are what overtakes forgiveness. Remember I asked you that question? Do you come naturally to grudge or forgiveness? They know that forgiveness is, is rare. Grudges are what rules the day. And so they concoct this, most likely, like, hey, dad said. And why did they say that? You know why. Think about your family dynamics. You have that matriarch or patriarch, the big cheese in the family, right? The one who keeps everything together, who is the one that can kind of help create some peace. That person, given our our title for the sermon uh, series, that person can help take chaos and bring order. And then that person dies. What happens? Y'all are fighting over a spoon. Like, well, grandma fed me when I was two from the spoon. And by the way, I want that high chair too, because I was the first one fed in there. And y'all are fighting over something so silly like that. It happens all the time. They make up stuff. Well, she told me when I was six and she, we were playing with water balloons in the front yard that I could have that spoon. I mean, this stuff goes on all the time. These boys are doing the same thing. Dad said this. So how do you think Joseph received it? Well, how do you respond if someone never repents? How would you respond? Because that's probably what's happening here. They concocted a story, but instead of saying, you know, Joseph, what we did to you was wrong. We were doing the best we figured out at the time and and we got carried away, but it was wrong to actually throw you down there. And And then to lie to dad. I mean, you know, dad was so sad for years thinking that you're dead. And who knows how all that worked out. But from what we know here, they didn't come in repentance in that way. They made up a story. Maybe he said it, maybe he didn't. Hey, hey, dad's dead, but he still protected us. So they, they sent word to Joseph. Saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. This is Jacob talking, supposedly. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins of the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of God for your, uh, for your father. 
of your father. When their message came to Joseph, he wept. Why? Because God was stirring in his heart. His heart apparently was not hardened. He was, he was grieved over all that was happening, had happened, the effects of it, the, the fear that those guys were probably going through. His brothers then came and basically threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. Now, if you're a person full with grudge, you'd be like, that's right. Now go get me some milk. Get up and do something productive for me. I mean, he could have had them. Stand up, bark, roll over. I mean, it would have been beautiful. Think about it. This man's in charge. He's second in command right behind Pharaoh in the whole kingdom. They're the only one to have food. That's the reality of the situation. Could have crushed them. Now, let's just sit here for a second. I don't want you to move too far past this too quickly. Have you dreamt about that? Would you be eager to jump on that? You put that person's name in there. You're like, man, they're getting it now. <laughs> and I got the right to do it. I'm going to crush them. I'm going to stomp them. But it goes back to the question. How do you respond if someone never repents? Is your life and your spirit and your mind and the things that go on there, is it conditioned upon somebody else? Repenting or not? Are you going to allow them to have that control and say, I only can forgive if you say this or do this? It's a hard place to live in. It eats your lunch. It's called grudges. Or, or can you believe in the reality that obviously God spoke into Joseph's heart and realized this, in the end, forgiveness always wins. Can you make it there? Can you look at that sentence and say, yes, in the end, forgiveness always wins? Because that's where God is. And when I read these next few verses, I want you to think of Jesus. Because if there is, is any foreshadowing in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament has so much foreshadowing, it's basically pointing towards the coming of Jesus and giving glimpses of God's heart of what's going to happen. Listen to these sentences, because Joseph is speaking as if he were Jesus speaking from the cross. Listen, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Didn't Jesus say that all the time, right? You look at the gospels. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And we got it twice in here. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Oh, it just bleeds the cross. So then don't be afraid. He says it again. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I don't know if I could do that. He laid aside the grudge and allowed God to work in him. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus on the cross, you know, what did, they intended harm. They wanted to make an example. They crushed him. And as he rose, he could have said these exact words. What you intended for harm, to harm me, God is using this for good. What was so brutal about the cross was the, the beauty of Jesus willingly paying for things that, that cause grudges. That's what it is. Wow. You see that? 
And then the most beautiful line, for the saving of many lives. People were getting, getting fed because Joseph was able to interpret dreams. God gave him that gift. And they gathered food for seven years. And God provided for seven years in famine. When your soul is parched and you can't figure out a situation, you remember that, that God may have intended something for the saving of many lives. That's what the cross does. Saves many lives. But here's what you will have to, to walk through. This You have to walk through this sentence like Joseph did in order to, to, to really live out this forgiveness. If you never see the good that God has in store, will you trust him through it all? If you never see the outcome and you only see a little bit of it, will you trust God and think, you know, I don't see the whole story, but it might happen after I die or generations to come, but I trust that God has something good he's doing. That's what happened to Joseph. It took 17 years for this to unfold. 17 years is short compared to biblical history. We may never see the good. We just, in a a real sense, see the bad and we have grudges and resentment. I can't believe that happened to my family. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he would go along with that. And there you go. I think a lot of our life is like this. Where we see it in one way and God sees it another way. Yeah, it was wrong. Yes. But can God use this? Yes. I believe that when when I get to heaven and and hopefully y'all be there, uh, different times, of course. We get to heaven, we're not going to be omniscient means knowing all. Only God knows all. But we'll probably be able to see some things God will reveal to us. And this is probably the face that most of us will be making when we get to heaven. You ready? We're going to get to heaven all of a sudden go, oh, not because it's so beautiful, which it is, not because, you know, but we're going to be like, oh, now I see, like, this person is here. I thought they were definitely not going to be here, right? And... Wow, God, you did amazing things. You know, and I forgot about that. And you're weaving a, he's just doing it all, right? All the tangents and the decisions and the problems. We're like, now I kind of get it, right? You know, most of you are like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, who killed JFK? You know, no, that's the, that's, those things are small compared to our, aha, that's what's going on. Do I trust God even when I can't see all this happening? And if you can, then you are ready to be faithful. And here's, I promised you that the Bible has an outline of how we can do this. Here's how we do it. Our job is to be faithful and forgiving. You know, God is faithful in forgiving us. Our job the rest of our lives is as best as we can by the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is to be faithful in forgiving. And how does that work? We learn from Romans chapter 12. First, this, bless those who persecute you. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Here's something interesting. There are a couple words used in the New Testament for bless. This particular one, you're not gonna like this. To bless them, here's some three nuances to this word. One is to pray for them. One is to pray God's, two is to pray God's favor on them. And three is to speak well of them. Oh, I wish that didn't mean that. What? I thought, bless them, I'll bless you. Okay, see you, you sneeze, bless you. No. You pray for them, and you don't pray God crushes them, you pray God's favor, and you speak well of them. Here's the deal. Every person 
There's got to be something you can find to speak honestly well about them. And you got that grudge, you're like, uh-uh, not that person. Image of God, maybe. But that's what God calls us to do. The next one, do not be proud or conceited. Romans 12, 15 through 16. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It doesn't just mean financially low in a, in a world set. It could be spiritually low. Like, you know, God bless you that you're actually able to hear his word and be listening to this today. Not because I'm saying it, but because God is speaking to us. And think of the people that you might have a grudge against. Like, they're lowly because they, they just haven't heard this. And they don't know it, but maybe they know it from you. So don't be proud or conceited. And then do not repay evil for, or take revenge on people. Do not repay evil or take revenge on people. Very, be careful, it says, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It, uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And that leads us to the last one. God's job is the outcomes. Your job is to be faithful. You leave the outcomes to God. We show up, we suit up, we participate, we're honest, and leave the outcomes to God. Another way of saying it. So here's the cool part. If you look at these, there's seven fill in the blanks. You can do this all week long. On Sunday, you're worshiping, you're like faithful, right? I want to be faithful, God, and forgiving. On Monday, I'm going to be blessing them. On Tuesday I'm going to, and Wednesday, I'm going to work on not being proud or conceited. On Thursday and Friday, I'm going to work on not getting uh, repayment or revenge. And then on Saturday, when the work week is done, I want to remember that it's God that out gives the outcomes. Isn't this work beautiful? You can take this all seven days. Here's the final one. If I haven't convinced you yet, if God hasn't worked in your heart yet on this, look at this verse from chapter five, verse eight. It says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't hold a judge or a grudge. We were still sinners, enemies of God, it says in other parts of scripture. Yet Christ still died for us because Jesus knew that secret and it's not a secret anymore. That in the end, forgiveness always wins. The grudge, the satam, will not win. But Jesus does. Amen. We have an opportunity to respond to God's word now. And the way we uh, basically profess our faith is we use an ancient creed. It's a statement of faith, and specifically it talks about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're joining us new today, uh, you might just want to listen. Uh, this is what we believe, and if the Holy Spirit moves you, you can join in as well. Please stand as we profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In just a second, we're going to pray together as a group. But if you would like someone to pray with you one-on-one, you can text the word PRAY to 833-440-0137. You have two options. Choose for someone to pray one-on-one with you, or you can leave a prayer request for the elders and the staff to lift up on your behalf throughout the week. Let us go together to God in prayer. Father, we are grateful to be here. And Lord, what a a humbling position it is to realize, Lord, that instead of holding a grudge by your grace, you have called us, Lord, to be in your family. Lord, if there is someone here today that does not know you, your son, as as their savior, we simply ask, Lord God, that uh, you would move in their heart to confess sins, to confess that Jesus is Lord of all, and Lord, uh, to, to just receive you as their savior. Father, we need healing um, in so many ways in this country and in our bodies. We just lift up this uh, Omicron variant as spreading like crazy this week. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bring a peace, Lord, to our lives in the chaos and the mayhem, Lord, of this disease and all that... uh the extra things that go with it on people just being ugly to one another. God, we pray for healing and restoration, Lord, in our bodies, our minds, and our souls. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in that situation, and we just ask for more. Lord, there's many other things on our hearts and our minds, and we lift them to you in the prayer that your son Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew that we needed not just to hear we're forgiven, but to receive it in a physical way. And so he prepared what is called communion. And this meal, if you're new here, this meal we believe, miraculously connects his body and blood with these ordinary elements of bread and wine to not only forgive our sins, but to receive the strengthening of our faith. If you are not ready to have communion, but you would like to receive a blessing from the Lord, when you are ushered up to come through the communion line, just go ahead and cross your arms like this as you go through, and we will uh, give you a blessing as well. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body given for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink of it, all of you. This is the new covenant of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Please be seated.
Please rise for the sending. And having been filled by the love and the power of Jesus, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace. Shadow.